With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to another episode of the Prospects Live Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Eddie Amager, and I'm joined, as always, by Ralph Lipschitz and Matt Thompson. Boys, I got a question. The same one for each of you. Matt, you take a long time to answer, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you hear this first, and you'll respond second. Ralph is good on his feet here. Ralph, what are your last words going to be? Wow. I think you might have actually stumped me for the first time, Eddie. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I'd say no bunting, but I feel like that's kind of played out, you know, um, swing hard. I don't know. I don't know, Eddie. I'm stumped. I, this is morbid, man. I don't want to think about my last words. I want to think about my next words. <laughs> well, you got to think of the last ones, man. Matt, what are your last words going to be? Probably something <laughs> along the lines of please don't kill me. <laughs> it, it's going to be Cardinals related, and it's going to be angry. I mean, uh, let's be frank. You're going to be at a you're going to be at a Dodgers game. Or why is he still in the game, or something like that? So no, it's, it's going to be something involving something something involving Mike Matheny somehow, some way. <laughs> Mike Matheny, you bastard, and you pass away. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think uh, for me to be six words, it's uh, can I get a whole year? And then just and just die. Might be like, on okay. top. Die on top. Uh, no welcome to the Prospects Live <laughs> podcast. We'll give us five stars if you enjoy our zany conversations and zany questions at the top of our podcast each week. If we've helped you out throughout the offseason, if we helped you with the draft, if we've helped you gain some insight into players over the course of the offseason with a range of podcasts that we do, consider dropping us five stars wherever you listen to us. In the last week or so since we've last chatted, we have dropped a ton of Prospects Live content written and spoken. Let me just go over just a few of them. Jason Kamlowski, he wrote an awesome in-depth interview with D-backs right-hand pitcher Levi Kelly. Levi Kelly had a tremendous 2019 in full A, dominant, and he talked everything about how he almost went to LSU, who was it that called him on draft night, why he decided to not go to LSU. So I love that kind of behind-the-scenes information. It's all there in Jason's story about Levi Kelly. Rafi did a podcast with Dodgers right-hander Josiah Gray in one of your Talking Shits episode. That was awesome. I really enjoyed hearing you two go in depth into the the fastball and the uh, the breaking ball metrics and kind of, you know, JoJo talking about how he was introduced to that over the course of this past summer, kind of same along the same time you were as well. So you guys had a great conversation there. I won't, I'll, I'll just tease that there. Uh, Joe Drake did a fantastic, fantastic deep dive on Kesson Hira, one of my favorite deep dives we've had on the site in a while. Uh, really, we all know Kesson Hira struggled in 2020. He was great in 2019. So he went back, looked at a bunch of games and tried to analyze what it was. Hint, it wasn't the high fastball. He thinks he found it, and he thinks he found out how to fix it as well. Chelsea Ladd, she covered the Frontier League commissioner stepping down. This is someone who had been there for 27 years, if I'm remembering, remembering correctly, uh, since the second year of the inception of the league in the, in the late 90s. So she covered what that means, well, you know, what kind of legacy he left behind. So that's super cool. Some independent league coverage from Chelsea. She's a pro at that. And recovering prospects who will debut for each team. As usual, Peyton Skinner, he did Angels and Rangers who are going to debut or expect to debut 
in 2021. I think we're about halfway through that list. Uh, Peyton, Roger, and Chris Dunn have done a fantastic job with that. And I wrote a How to Tear Down Your Dynasty article. It's a series that I intend to continue for I'm not sure how long. I guess I'm talking back in contention. The very first one kind of laid the groundwork as to why I decided to make that change, what I look for when I decide which players I'm going to keep. And I lay the groundwork as to how, how I would now approach trading. The next episode, the next, excuse me, uh, article is going to be the trading foundations that I laid down. When I'm, when I'm, when I'm trading my all-stars, my superstars, what am I looking to get back? All right. That's out of the way. Like I said, a bunch of good content. Hope you guys enjoy it. Hope you guys listen. And of course, if you follow us on Twitter, it's been a lot of college baseball content recently. We're big into that, big into the draft. So if you need some kind of guidance there, by all means, Check that out. Let's dive into the news, guys. Kind of straightforward. Uh, the biggest piece of news, believe it or not, we actually haven't recorded since this. It feels like ages ago at this point, but I feel like we just got to cover it to give the people what we think. Uh, of course, the now res- resigned president of the Mariners, Kevin Maher, he had those really distasteful comments about the entire organization, said a slew of shit that kind of just smeared everything all over the uh, all over the Seattle organization. One thing that did stick out was Jerry Kalenic. He had mentioned the plan was to Bring him up at the end of April. So I wanted to open up the floor here. What does it mean for Kalenic 2021 playing time? Is it going to be earlier than we thought, like Maher had insisted? Are the Mariners going to backtrack now and say, hey, that was his own thinking. We're still going to keep him in the minors. Or do they kind of just go full throttle, avoid a grievance, and say, you're starting on opening day. Ralph, I'll kick it over to you here. Yeah, you know, I'll uh, I'll play – I'll play devil's advocate here. I don't know if I necessarily hundred percent believe this, but um, you know, I think, I think these are major league teams um, as much as, as much as I would like to believe that they've been put in this precarious position that has sort of forced their hand in terms of bringing Jared Kelnick up. By the way, he said the guy's name wrong multiple times. That was also brutal. <laughs> he said, he said Jared Kelnick's name and he, Jared Kelnick will correct you right. if you say Kalenic. And he no, said, hold on, no, hold on, hold on. I, wait, I thought it was okay. Man, I've no, gone back and forth on this dude's name a thousand times. Pronunciation guide from the Arizona Folly. It says Kelnick. Kelnick. I guess. He, he okay. yelled at Welsh about calling him Kelnick one time. So I'm gonna go back and listen to my podcast with Welsh. Welsh is that it is it is Kelnick. Um, Welsh, Welsh corrected me and told me Kelnick or or you no, know it's what? It's okay. Kelnick. Kel- 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 All right, But but anyway, like. You know, I, I think that just like you said, they'll brush it off. They'll say that he was speaking out of hand, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he made a lot of other comments that, you know, I don't think that it, I don't think that he meant to be distasteful. I just think that he's that freaking tone deaf. Like this guy was just like, poof. like the things that he was saying across the board, even beyond yeah. the, the service time stuff. He, he, he said Kyle Seeger was overpaid and you just you don't go into stuff like that in a public forum and trash your employees. Right. And that's, I think that sometimes people like they don't apply the, 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 the common sense they would have at their own jobs to their, their favorite sports franchise. Right. They, they make it political where in in reality, like anybody that said stuff like that would get in trouble. And I think the bigger thing with him is that he did put them into a difficult position because he essentially discussed openly gaming the service time clock for not only him but julio rodriguez as well that we may not even see julio rodriguez he said until 2023 which seems preposterous but you know i i think in the end the mariners don't need to please the fan base because they're not going to go anywhere unfortunately right and he'll be up in 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 may you know, this is the last year that they can gain this stuff, I think, because I think that something's going to change with this in the CBA because it's something that's impacted so many MLB stars over the last several years that have come up under this CBA and they're big names and they're guys that are probably going to swing a little bit more, you know, more of a hammer. and They're going to have more sway and a louder microphone in the room. You know, I think that that's something that could potentially change in the new CBA. So I think that teams are going to be conscious of that. They're not going to go back. They're going to allow these guys to do the same. And I think that he's going to be a prisoner of this system. So um, ultimately, I don't think we do see uh, Jared Kelnick until May. Um, okay. But, you know, that's me being pessimistic and trying to take the opposite view because I know what Matt's going to say. 
Yeah. yeah so, so hit me, man. We, he, Ralph says May, which still gives him uh, maybe like 450 plate appearances around there. What do you yeah, think? I still kind of think, I mean, and end of April, May is, is probably the most realistic thing, but who's to say there's not some sort of, I'm sure they've pulled Kelmichael aside and already talked to him multiple times about everything going on anyways. But sure. who's to say in order to, you know, repair this relationship, it's more of a PR thing than anything right now. What's to say, hey, um, if you don't file this grievance, maybe you break camp? Unlikely, but that could definitely happen, right? Because that grievance is independent of anything. Because if you remember how Kevin Mather rewarded it was, um, he was talking about last season. There was no way he was coming up. And he – I mean, they're not talking about going forward, right? He was referencing the 2019 season – or 2020 season, excuse me. So that – grievance thing could still happen whenever they decide to bring them up. You know what I mean? Like they could just kind of add on. Not only did you take the end of 2020 away from them, you took the beginning of 21 and turn it into a bigger case. Um, so there's that going into it. And then the whole thing with the Logan Gilbert, he offered, they offered Gilbert an extension. Remember that was kind of, they didn't say the pitch Gilbert by name, but it later came out that it was Logan Gilbert. They offered him a, a very team friendly, Evan White esque contract extension he turned it down which is why he didn't come up either so that's another issue in itself as well right remember houston did this a couple years back famously with george springer remember that and ralph uh eddie they they yeah. offered they pretty much gave george springer an ultimatum if you don't sign this extension you're, you're not coming up and he didn't sign it and i don't think he came up until the end of april and may um so the pr storm kind of bypassed that situation pretty quickly this will blow over just like everything else does. And I think Ralph hit the nail on the head with this probably being the last year that we have to really worry about this. I What Major League Baseball needs to do is they need to figure out a way to incentivize winning ball games. And I know that sounds strange, but they, they need to – these Cubs and Astros-style tank jobs need to not be a thing. Not that the Mariners are doing that, yeah. but – yeah, it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a whole battle for the CBA. Got, and I'm, got, I'm not looking forward to that. You got ten or twelve teams right now that you can probably say aren't gonna don't have a chance at winning a World Series, and that's not healthy for a sport, I don't think. Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to devolve this too far too much right. into a, into a uh-huh. talk of to the future of baseball, and then we get really we got real sad. But but keeping it on 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 Kalanick and to an extension, Logan Gilbert. Uh, I bring up Logan Gilbert in the same talks as Jared Kalanick. Because if I have the transcript here, uh, this is a quote from Mather. Um, quote, on the mound in April, you won't see him on April 1st, but by mid-April, you'll see a young man named Logan Gilbert. He's the real deal. He's a top rotation pitcher, and I can't wait to see him <laughs> at T-Mobile Park. So he said mid-April. I can wait to see him. So it's weird how that works out. Uh, you know, so it's – I I don't know, man. Logan Gilbert is someone that in redraft leagues, potentially it's um, – he might be someone you want to take a stab at. I think his ADP is in the they're, 400s, maybe. They're running a six-man rotation this year, too, and I think that sixth spot is like Nick Margulicious or whatever. Yeah. So I think that seems to be the pretty obvious. You know, that, that's a good point. I, I, I should have a list of like which teams are doing six-man rotations. Okay. I, they're the only one that's really announced it, I believe, to this point. But there will be, there'll, I think there will be a handful, I think. Cubs and, kind of hit it a little bit with Alzalay and So with Logan Gilbert, I think – the value I place on him this year, I, I think the skills are really, really good. I think he's going to be an above-average pitcher. I think he has, a, he has mid-rotation written on him with maybe a, a hint more uh, in his peak years. He's someone I would love to gamble in in a redraft league. I think his price is very friendly right now. And if he suddenly comes up and throws 130 innings, uh, that's pretty damn good for whatever price he's going at. With Jared, with Jared Koenig, I'm thinking 485 player appearances. That's my guess. I think he's someone that uh, he's going in the mid 200s or, or early 200s of at least the NFPC draft. I love him because the upside he presents is maybe like a 23 home run, 16, 17 steal season in 485 at bats. I think that's. I think that there's good upside for that. Speed is key. He's the future. We've seen the highlights. We've seen the, the the home runs. I'm all in on Koenig. We know we're all in on Koenig, number one prospect. So uh, just wanted to kind of throw it out there, see where you guys were at. I think we all agree, late April, early May. I'd be stunned if it, if it, if it really lasted past May 15th, to be honest. Yeah, and it, it'll be easy to defend because, I mean, there was no minor league games last year. 
Look, yeah, and that's that's the that's the the ironic thing. Jared Kelnick hasn't seen many games above Double A, and no, normally that's someone that we're like, hey, you know, he might need a little bit more seasoning, right. but you know, so uh, but he but he's he's ready. We we know he's 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 basically replacement level at worst, in my opinion, right now. Um, okay, uh, and not really. We don't got to discuss it, but just kind of let the audience know. I think as as spring training games and uh, injury squads and all that start kicking off officially, cool to see some. Uh, some official highlights. Uh, two names I'm watching this week. Pedro Leon, the J2 signee from the Astros. He is in camp. He is expected to debut in the Grapefruit League with the Astros. So he's someone that's 22 years old. Remember, he's not someone who's 17, 16. So he, he, he's already a mature dude. Maybe has two to three years lead time. A couple years, I would guess. So I'm very, very interested to see how he looks like. We are just not, We are not relegated anymore to some DR footage taken on a cell phone. We can finally see what he looks like and matt manning he's also going to debut this week on wednesday so he is someone who was shut down last year had that forearm strain so i want to see what he's looking like so just a just a heads up some names to keep an eye out pedro leon of course is of course the number one guy i am looking into okay so originally we were going to make this podcast a top 500 followers list we are still going to do that but we're recording this on sunday evening you will be hearing this Early Monday morning, that's when it will be published. Two big drafts are kicking off today, boys. TGFBI and TDBC. TGFBI is a, the great fantasy baseball invitational. It has over 400 industry people in taking place. It is NFBC style, so uh, 15 teams to catcher. There is no trading. There is fab every week. And the TDBC, Dynasty Baseball Championship, is leagues that we launched last year, the brainchild of our own colleague, Smata five-year dynasty draft where you draft 50 rounds 20 or 30 team leagues we are doing a 30 team industry league where again draft the players 1500 players keep them for five years if you wish there is no drops there are no ads there are no trades the only thing you change after that initial draft this is best ball so you don't even manage a team the only thing you trade change rather is you can draft you draft 10 players each offseason and you drop 10 players. And that is it. You set it and forget it. So big, big league kicking off. So we wanted to instead shift to those two conversations, give you some insight into how we're thinking. Ralph, you're ranked number four all time on the TGFBI manager list that was compiled by Smata. I think I'm like 13 or 14. Uh, Matt, you had a you had, you had a great 2020. So, you know, unfortunately, it was not weighed very heavily. You had some rough 2018, 2019. So... I know you're gonna do well in 2021 and boost that ranking up. Oh, yeah. So let's dive in just let's dive in just a little bit here. Some, some kind of hot topic conversations that I think the listeners will enjoy as they get into their drafts. So first question, Matt, for you: Where are you on the debate of needing a pitcher before the end of the second round? Pitching has been pushed up so much, especially because volume is gonna be key. There is a lot of uncertainty about around the mid round pitchers, so people want that security. Before the end of round two, and say, hey, I got my Aaron Nola, I got my Trevor Bauer, I got a Max Scherzer. I don't have to worry about the top of my rotation pitching poorly and damning me. So, where do you sit on this regard, Matt? I've probably splitting hairs a little bit here, but I have the third pick. So then I'll, I I want to get a pitcher before that my before at, at the at my third pick. You know what I mean? The wraparound on my turn. That's kind of where I'm looking, hopefully, to find someone I like there. So my first two picks, I expect to be bats unless somebody falls. Um, but my, by the end of my third pick, I, I I fully plan on having a pitcher. Hopefully it's – if I, if I got to reach for one, I'm fine with not taking one. But um, perfect in a perfect world, I get a pitcher at the end of my third pick. So um, you're that, that's someone along the lines of, if you're lucky, maybe like a Jack Flaherty, but potentially Zach Gallen. You might have to reach for a Tyler Glass now. Um, uh, yeah, looking uh, – that, that's about right. Um, that that's the type of pitcher. Giolito will be gone. Nola should be gone. But you think you think it, it is worth it? You think it, 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 You think it's worth it to get a pitcher then uh, yes. before, before? I think before. yes. And I, I want to. I, I was reading uh, Ryan Bloomfield's uh, piece on, on on HQ about avoiding pitching landmines. He actually has a a really good stat. I think is relevant here. Of the twenty four starting pitchers that were taken in the top seventy five of last year's draft. Uh, 10 of them ranked in the top 24 by the end of the season and 15 of them finish in the top 40. So you're paying for good quality 
stability and you just got to avoid not being the guy that ends up with that Verlander or uh, who's the other one, the other big one, um, Steven Strasburg. Um, you don't want – you just got to – and I think – I mean, I don't want to – I mean, Ralph's been on a guy that he's, he's kind of off one of the top pitchers this year, and I think he might be right leading up to it. I'll let him talk about that. But I think you just got to – it's very, very important to – what's the number one predictor of injuries? It's past injuries, right? Especially for pitchers. And I think that's where you have to, there's a lot of luck involved in that, but there's also a little bit of skill trying to figure out who's the, who's the right guy. But if I can get someone like a Kershaw at the end of the third, maybe I'm being a little optimistic, but with my third pick, I think that's really reasonable. Should be, he might be on the board. That's kind of the type I'm looking for. Uh, I don't want Scherzer. I'm kind of staying away from Scherzer with the back. And I mean, I'll take him if he's there potentially, but not at the third pick. Cool. So, so, but you, yeah. So, you you want you you want a guy. You're not willing to punt pitching and maybe pick up someone around five or six. Rafa, are you kind of on the same boat then? With as Matt, are you trying to pick a pitcher up early, or are you subscribing to maybe the great Albright school of pitching, where well, give me a few hitters and then come back for the pitcher? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think like with the with the great philosophy, much of that is, I think in, it's 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 twelve team roto right and it's not 15 so i think that that kind of changes it a little bit um but if you look at his rankings it's sort of in terms of the tiers and everything like that it 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 makes sense and like the type of guys he's going after now with all that being said i have typically gone with a pitcher i think with my second pick the last three seasons um so i've i've typically you know gone hitter hitter pitcher I'm thinking less about that this year, and I'm thinking that it's probably going to be hitter hitter. Um, I have the one pick, so I have one one. Um, you know, and I'm between Tatis and Soto and Acuna, like everybody else, with a one one pick, and it changes daily. Um, but I'm going to get I'm going to get a great player there, so I'm not really all that concerned. That also means that I have the wheel, you know, at the end of the second, going into the third, um, and then I have to wait a really long time for my fourth and fifth pick. So I will probably take a pitcher with either. It really doesn't matter if it's second or third round. It's essentially the same pick when you have the wheel, right? So, um, yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm thinking there at uh, at, at the turn. I'm I'll probably take a pitcher, um, you know, at three or you know two or three. Um, so, yes, yeah, I'm, I'm less concerned. Yeah, I'm less concerned with names, and I'm more concerned with the type of guys that I like. You know, that that miss bats, um, and you know, have a track record of at least being able to go. You know, with with some innings, and then I think there's a, I think then it's then it's a matter of just finessing it, you know, the rest of the draft and going after the guys who drop. But I will say this: if it, if people go crazy with pitchers in the first two rounds, <laughs> and there's a guy that I think is a top 20, 25 player that's that's sitting there for me, you know, at at thirty thirty one, I may end up going three hitters, you know, um, and then you know I'll probably double up on pitchers the next round, but. You just got to see how the draft goes. You know, I think that's that's the biggest thing um, for me with with the slow drafts and TGFBI. You have the time to sort of, you know, analyze the picks that are going ahead of you, the other teams that are around you, what their holes are. Um, maybe even go to their Twitter account, and take a gander at some of the, the proclamations that they've been making. And I'm like, all right, this guy's going to do this. This guy's going to do that. So, you know, I, I, I always try to I try to play the room. Um, so I can't say for certain that I'm going to do one thing or another thing. There's, there's a bunch of guys that I all think are good value that are all within a certain range. And there's certain things that could push me to, I, I can tell you one thing. I will not leave the first three rounds with two pitchers. Okay. I will say that. So, um, I guess, you know, I'm not going to pitcher one and <laughs> I don't pick again until 30. So, um, I don't really have yeah. to hide yeah. anything. I, so I guess the question t- to me, if I'm picking six or 12th, then yeah, you know, I think it's a different conversation. Could I wait until the third for a pitcher? I think I probably would. Um, you know, I think with the, 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 the new ball could potentially be a big factor here. And um, what that could do is it could push up a lot of pitchers. Um, and then it's really a matter of, you know, sort of control and command and having guys that, can miss some bats, but you know, are uh, are going to go deep into games, get you innings, and and 
you don't have to worry about your ERA as much, I think, and your whip as much. With um, with the you know going ago. on going on a tangent here with the dead end ball though, it it's funny that uh, I'm of I'm of the mind that if the dead end ball does have a positive effect on pitchers, it makes it less important to grab one of the top guys because that yeah, mid tier exactly. is still going to have it is going to be moderately better, you know. So for me, well, I'm breakouts, the breakouts come from the mid tiers too, right? There's yeah. safety in that, but like. With Bloomfield with like a top a top 30, 40 starter, like I don't know. If I'm taking a guy in the top 15, that guy damn well better be within the top 25. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, especially so looking the ADP of those guys, you probably even want <laughs> within the top 15. Like you want value there. And I, I don't know. I've never been one of these pitching zealots, and I love, I love pitching. I love breaking down pitching, I love scouting pitching, I love talking pitching. Um, but I don't know. I, I always feel like it's a volume play in these leagues, and that is the most important statistic is innings and at-bats, and it gets missed so much in all the other crap. You know, you're not playing in a league where you can drop and trade and, and move guys all that frequently. You know, you're talking about like a 12-team style, like RCL with daily moves, and you can drop your entire team and pick up a new team in the same day. It's a way different ball game, you know? Um, so I think you got to have a base of really good talent across the board with your first like eight picks, nine picks and everything after that you figure out, but you got to have that, you got to have that core, um, of, of production at bats and, and innings, you know? Um, but I think you'll see guys that fall. Like I, you know, maybe I end up with Louis Castillo there. Maybe, you know, there's like, I probably won't get Trevor Bauer, but you know, you never know. Like, there's there's going to be an arm that falls that shouldn't. There's going to be bats that fall that shouldn't, and you need to be taking uh, advantage of that. And I think especially when you have, you know, I have I have a turn. I I'm going to be sitting there and just waiting for players to to drop to me, you know, or kind of jump in jump in the runs that are going to happen on closers or whatever. It's a it's a different ball game. I try to operate within you know the projections, the sheets, the system that I have. But I also try to be really flexible with with strategy because I think that it can I think that it can change. I know I'm going long here, so I'll shut up. <laughs> so I, I think generally you two are in the camp of let's let's grab a pitcher at least before at the completion of round three. You want to have one decent name. And that's there's roughly one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, about fifteen, sixteen. So essentially half of the players that go in the first three rounds are generally pitchers and you want to grab one of those names i'm drafting 14th i'm not in love with this draft draft slot i've been battling back and forth on whether i should grab an aaron nola or luis castillo or should i wait and maybe go batter batter and maybe uh double tap like a lance lynn a snell someone along those lines i'm, I'm, kind, I'm kind of in a funky spot lynn's undervalued oh yeah i love lance lynn um I, i'm i'd be fine with him with as my sp1 provider i got a really nice uh bat bat base um okay so yeah so you know if you're out there if you're in a, in a 15 team league or deeper it it's really tough to pass those first three to four rounds without a pitcher if you're in a shadow league by all means you can maybe get a little little crazy uh matt what's your well if you mind i'll, I'll kick off this conversation i'll pass it on to you what's your approach to closures this year for me i'm always i've always been someone that why wait on the closures just wait grab one solid mid-tier dude and then maybe a couple of Hey, this guy should maybe hang on to the job for a little bit, and if he doesn't, I'll just fab him, fab his replacement. Uh, this might be the first year where I'm legitimately considering uh, an Aroldis Chapman, a um, maybe even a Liam Hendricks, although he does go a little bit, little bit too early for my taste. But uh, a Rysel Iglesias, a Ryan Presley, those, these these are guys that are in 15 team leagues like TGFBI. Chapman is in the fifth round, Rysel and, and, and Iglesias sixth and seventh round, so. You have to really, you know, bite the bullet, grab it, because there's there's way fewer saves to be spread around this year. And if you get one guy that knocks you knocks in thirty, I think you're kind of guaranteed at least middle of the pack points just yeah. from one closer. Oh, definitely. How many teams have well-defined closers right now? Ten. Uh, I, I'm straight up. I think you might be doubling it. I, it yeah, it's, it's, Chat, it's Chapman. It's uh, and, I, and I'll put up the sheet right here. Liam Hendricks in uh, Chicago. Um, Liam Hendricks, Hader, Chapman, Edwin Hader, Diaz. Hader's got, Hader's got Devin Williams who can usurp. Well, he ha- yeah, he hasn't behind him, but he. I mean, if Devin Williams did what he did last year and, and Hader was still able to yeah. knock it, you know, a crew of yeah. saves, I'll, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt for now. Um, but Ed, Edwin Diaz, Rysel Iglesias, 
and then maybe that's that might be it. I mean, maybe Brad Hand, but I, he, Frank he Kimball like, pretty entrenched in Chicago for the Cubs. But do you want him? He had a miserable. Yeah, miserable Ryan Presley's supposed to have the job. I mean, Kenley Jansen's supposed to have the job. So maybe I, I think like eight or eight or nine guys. But of those eight or nine, the back about two or three. Like yeah. Kenley Jansen is not the Kenley Jansen of, of his prime. I mean, he has no. Bruce R. Gratterall and Justin May breathing down his neck. So any wrong move, they might. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I don't know how they'll how, how they'll treat that red hand. Yeah. Me. I think I think you're right. I think you have to to spend up and, and get one of them guys because like you said, and if you get 30 saves from one guy, you're good enough to fifth, fifth or sixth or seventh in the league in saves right off the bat. And you well, that's not gonna win it for you, it's gonna keep you off the bottom and Exactly. You don't have you don't have to be number one in saves. If you're number one in saves, you 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 know, good job. You you're likely wasting, you're wasting I, you almost kind of don't want to be. I mean, you well, will be, but well, I was gonna say you likely identified a good handcuff that broke out. You right. know, like maybe Jose Alvarado took yeah. over in Philadelphia had, because Victor Neris, whatever. Yeah. But like James Karinchak is a fun guy to target because he strikes out so many guys and should be locked into the bullpen. In the closer role, and you can kind of you can kind of get away with drafting maybe a starting pitcher like a Marco Gonzalez type that doesn't miss a lot of bats and kind of get propped up with Karinchak strikeouts. And yet, and yet, Terry Francona hasn't committed to Karinchak. And uh, Manuel, so. as, I, as I read stuff too, Class A's back this year too. He was just yeah, he's nasty. Yep, too, yep. So. so it's 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 tough, man. Like, how do you weigh someone like Karinchak versus a closer that is not very great but has a job? Like, I don't know. Uh, does Rafa, Rafa Montero has his job, right? So it's it's tough kind of weighing those pros and cons. Rafa, I'll, I'll kind of let you get the last word here. Are you – I mean, well, Matt, just kind of make sure you're on the, you're on the record. So yeah, you, no, I, you agree, you know, you got to get at least one of the first six to seven closers off the board. Be, yep. Is that your strategy this year? You got to remember, you can't bank on getting guys on fab because that's what everyone else is going to do. That's the that's that was my biggest downfall last year. I spent almost all my fab. Ironically, Rafael Montero was the one I spent the most on that one week, where I got like maybe like yep. three to four closers, and, spent, and I spent it all. You and, spent thousand yep. dollars in like four weeks, man. <laughs> it was yeah. That it, I, it was I had a five really week, bad. You know, it was an eight week season, so you had to go crazy. just 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 spending the money, man. Just, I, was, I was on a shopping spree, and then like, oh wait, life, where, where's my money? Life. You know, turning my pockets inside out. Where's my money, uh, Ralph? Real quick on the record, are sure. you in for spending? For a high closer like a Chapman, yeah, man, or, you gotta have you one. Every year in TGFBI, I've always gotten a legitimate like top five or six closer. I mean, it kind of got burnt a little bit by Aral this last year because <laughs> he was out with COVID for like three weeks, sure. four weeks. It took forever for him to come back. Right. Um, and they missed out in the Zach Britton sweepstakes, but it shouldn't be as crazy with closers this year as it was. It's always crazy, but it, I, it's not going to be as nuts. Like it felt like every week you had to pick up like four different relievers, hoping to get some saves. I I can't even remember who the guy was that I had from um, uh, San Francisco. I can't even think of his name, uh, you know. And I pretty much know like thousands of baseball players. Yeah, I, I, levels. I couldn't tell you who this guy got. It was. It was Trevor Gott. I had Trevor Gott, and he like got me. See, I went had him that run where he had like four or five saves, and he was just terrible. And I had to like leave him out of my lineup, regardless of what happened. But I think you have to pay up for um, a top closer. I will probably have um, my first closer before I have my second starter. I'll put it that way. That's, That's fair. okay. You know. Yeah, uh, so it will probably. Round, you know, I would yeah. say yeah. Top five picks will probably be a pitcher, three hitters, and a closer. You know, I think you you yeah. gotta have. I think that's with any NFBC. You kind of have need to have that base of like a good a good closer, uh, especially if you're going for an overall. I think it, it's important yep. to have saves and steals because you can make yeah. up the other stuff. You can find the other stuff on the waiver wire. Can't win the overall saves and steals. Is yeah. Yep. And we're and we're, each of us are basic. I mean, uh, we're essentially at the turn at different different points. So we got to either we got to reach from sometimes too, because watching a closer run at, from the other end of the draft board is one of the most painful things you ever experience in a draft room. Uh, I want to move on and talk about some players you find yourself gravitating toward and why. So the, ideally what I'm looking for in this conversation is, hey, why are you drafting this player in this early round when you can have player X in the later round? So I'll, I'll kick it off, maybe give you guys some time to think about it. For me, someone like... Um, Fran Mel Reyes. Fran Mel Reyes' ADP as of, I think this is only the, mar- the month of February. I'm looking at, 
I am looking at draft champions. So that, that is a no fab league. So he's at 148 for so we'll just we'll kind of call it 150, um, about ninth to tenth round. I mean, he's someone that legitimately could have a 250, 35 home run season. So it, it makes me wonder do you want to reach for one of the big, like Jordan Alvarez is really, really damn good. But Jordan Alvarez and Fran Moreas might be putting up very similar numbers at the end of the season, potentially because me personally, I don't think Jordan Alvarez is going to be healthy the entire year. Uh, so at a cost difference of about 60 picks. So that's about four rounds. So I, I, I will pass up Jordan Alvarez for Fran Moreas later. So that's one player I've been gravitating toward. I got one more, but I want to pass it off to, to you guys. Rob, is there is there someone you've been maybe eyeballing as a, as a, as a good yeah, value yeah. Maybe later? Yeah, there's a guy. I mean, I guess he's not like real later, but um, I think Anthony Santander is going to be. Really oh, that's a good one. He's young. He's in a great ballpark. Um, it, you know, I know the the Orioles themselves have turned down trade offers on Santander. Um, you know, the league themselves are pretty high on him. If you take a look, he's got good plate discipline. He does not swing and miss a lot. Um, doesn't walk a ton, but you know, if you're not playing in an OBP league, that doesn't matter so much. You actually maybe want to gravitate toward a guy who's a little bit more contact-centric because the batting average probably runs a little bit higher. Hits the ball pretty well. He's going to be an everyday guy for them. Um, 26, 27 going into his – I think he just turned 26. But he's going right into his prime. Um, you know, he's a guy that I would take over. Uh, you know, I think Fran Mill is going significantly higher. Um, you know, I think even someone like Austin Meadows, who there's some question with how much Meadows is even going to – there's a chance that Meadows might get platooned a little bit. It happened in the playoffs. Um, and And – little aside, and I'm gonna not gonna go on a tangent, I promise. But I think we need to take into account with some of these Tampa Bay players, for the most part, that they use them and they make sure that they're interchangeable because uh you know, not for any other reason than really not service time suppression, but actual suppression of what they're getting in arbitration. If they can limit overall numbers and overall counting stats and they can limit total at bats. And they can do some of these funky things by putting guys really only into the situations where they can accentuate their positives. Um, I think it makes them look good. It makes them look smart. But at the same time, on the back end, I think they're I think they're suppressing yeah, service. But it's cool. You know, they're, they're suppressing, you know, what the what the cost is, you know. So I think he's um, he's one guy. I would actually say a good Austin Meadows um, uh, uh, sort of pivot would be Ramon Lariano, who um, I, I still like a lot. I think he's going to hit. Yep. Um, should be lead, leading off. Gonna, yeah, he probably should lead off. He gets on base a ton, um, steals bases. So even if the batting average is whatever, um, you know, you're you're getting those stolen bases. You're getting those runs. You're getting some of that volume. And I think he's a guy at 26, once again, that could potentially take off. I actually think he's a great um, pivot off of Randy Arizarena as well, whose ADP is in the 70s, which I yeah. like Arizarena, but I do not think a top 70 pick is warranted um, based on what we saw the end of last season and into the playoffs. He's a talented guy. I think he's going to be successful. Um, but with that organization, some of the stuff I just previously said, I think you could pivot a little bit to a guy like Loriano and, and probably maybe even get, with, uh, with, get more. With with Loriano, uh, I'm still living off the dream of that second half of 2019 where he slashed 358, 411, 679. And, man, that was – that was awesome. So I, I did outfield that... great today. So I have a bunch of them. I have another one that is actually a great, I think could be this year's Trent Grisham, but he's a name that we already know. Tease us. I'm going to go to Matt. But okay. Keep, keep that guy. You, you've teased the audience. We're going to come back to you. Matt, I give got me two. Who, I got two, me. and I'm going to say both of them because it's I'm breaking the rules. We're not picking on Tampa Bay, but why draft? I mean, I put in the NFBC ADP since Valentine's Day. So, you know, since spring training started to now, why draft Brandon Lau at pick 67 when you can get Mike Moustakis at pick 115? You're right. It's a good one. Um, yeah. Like you said, Brandon Lau is not going to play against lefties. Whether he could or should, who knows? But he's not I going to he, 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 Matt, he uh, hit lefties better than righties. I don't know with him. But he's the one that, that kind of confuses me. But I think that's a solid one because you're not getting speed from Lau. Mustakis is going to play every day. He's in a great park. I mean, what? Yeah, love Mustakis. Great eligibility too for Mustakis. Yeah, right. And then my other one um, is not as big of a gap, but the Lindor is going very high. Why take Lindor when you can get Tim Anderson 
uh, 25 picks later. I wish I wish I was at a draft position to take Tim Anderson. I'm I love not, Tim I'm not, Anderson. I hate it. I think he gives you what Lindor does with was, more speed, I think, even. Better yeah, Tim Anderson, speed, Tim Anderson is unique. Average. The power might be pretty comparable. I don't see why they're 25 picks apart, to be honest. So, um, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, I would say Tim Anderson is – I mean, he's not awesome, OBP, first of all, but he, he, he had a spiking – so. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, he had a spike in ground ball rate last year. I think it was approaching 60%, Tim Anderson did. So, you know, you kind of wonder, like, where's the power going to come into for 2021? Uh, Lindor is kind of obvious why he's going with Maria. It's just a pedigree there. Uh, no, I, I love I love Tim Anderson purely for the speed. I mean, that that's quite literally it. And he he does everything else kind of well too, of course. And I I'm at the point where I believe that he can be a 290 plus hitter despite the 600 BABIP he runs every year. They got something weird going on in Chicago where everyone runs a super high BABIP. Uh, I got one for you. Then we're gonna come back to Rob to wrap this one up. Uh, I got, I'm, I'm gonna give you projections of two guys here. Uh, this first name I got like a thousand tabs. I'm just floating around here. So this first name is going around. 96 just inside the top 100 his projection i'll go with the bad x here 32 home runs uh 79 runs 86 rbi 231 on the batting average and then his uh his compadre the guy i would love to target 100 picks later at 195 adp 35 home runs 84 runs 93 rbi and a 218 batting average, extremely similar in the counting stats, about 15 to 20 points of difference. We're talking Matt Olson versus Miguel Sano. And Miguel Sano is someone that I, I really love for the power that he can provide late. He's someone that you have to game plan a little bit for, similar to like Joey Gallo the years past, maybe not as dramatic. But with Miguel Sano, I think he's in a great lineup. He's in a mash. The power is unquestioned. He's going to cost you a very cheap pick, Just throw him to your corner and field spot if you want, or make him your first baseman. He's kind of clear as day for me. I do not like Olsen at his price, especially coming off the year he had last year. Ralph, finish us off. Who is potentially 2021's? All right. All right. Well, we could we could go with some projections here if, uh, if we feel so inclined. I'll go with Steamer. 248, 317, 403 for my guy. 17 homers, 21 steals. All right. And then we got Trent Grisham going significantly higher, 251, 350, 447. This is a batting average league, let's remember. And so we don't really care too much about the walks. 24 homers, 15 steals. And he's going, what, in the top 40 picks? And I was yeah. all over Grisham last year. This isn't a knock on Grisham. He's a better player yeah. than this guy. Dude, Victor Robles. Victor Robles is 23 years old. And I feel like we've completely written this guy off where a majority of his professional time has come in the major leagues because he had a pretty catastrophic injury prior to, uh, I think in 2018 and he played most of it or 2017 played both most of his time in the majors that season, actually maybe it was like had like a month or so in the minors after he came back. Um, we actually thought he was going to be out for the entire year. This guy steals bases. Um, I understand that he's been striking out at a higher rate, but like his, he chases a little bit, but the swing and strike rate isn't out of control. He's really he's a pretty decent zone contact guy. He's above 80 percent. His contact rate is pretty good. He's gonna run. He's in a good lineup, um, and I think he could get better. I don't think Victor Robles is gonna get worse. I think that we we've, we've like knocked him down so much that like his ADP right now is like in the two thirties. I mean, like everyone's forgotten about Victor Robles entirely. So you can get this guy as like your fourth or fifth outfielder. So I'm saying you, you still get three outfielders ahead of him, but I think that you could probably fit Victor Robles as your fourth outfielder and get speed with a little bit of power and some upside. So I just I feel like Robles is a guy that like the the room has gone way too far to the other direction on. You know, where I, I, I just, off him last year. I don't think I've I don't think I've drafted him in redraft the last few seasons. Just um, uh, no. just a quick, very small correction. No, well, first off, love Robles. Uh, actually, I know you all love your lineups, right? So he actually did lead off for the Washington Washington Nationals' first game. Uh, maybe a hint of what that might look like. But he's in two thirties. He, he is he is one uh, one forty five ish in February. Uh, Victor Robles, so a, a bit oh, more really? bumped up. But but I I still think he is valuable given how, the dearth of speed yeah. around the fantasy landscape. Uh, Matt, what were we going to say about Victor Robles? I was just saying, uh, Robles, I pulled up the ADP from that little tight range I typed in earlier. Robles is going behind Michael Brantley, Ryan Mountcastle, Dylan Carlson, and Santander, right in front of Ian Happ and Joey Gallo. 
I like almost every one of those names, to be honest. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, I was talking about this is great. I want Hap, too. There's like so many outfielders great, in yeah. that range where it's like you could build an entire outfielder from like the tier two and tier three and have an awesome outfield. But the speed matters. The speed matters. Yeah, I think it does. But and, right. and the other thing with Robles, too, is you have to, you can't just look at the batted ball data because he bunts so much it drives his uh, exit velocity numbers way down. <laughs> It's I think it, I, I, yeah, it's so low. I think I saw something away if you removed it, it was still low. But it's it's he had, really, he, he had a crazy line drive rate, and he had a thirty percent line drive rate. Short sample was a you know, but if that's what he goes toward, where he's just roping like hard liners all over the field, and that's how he makes his hard contact, fine. He'll hit for we a higher batting that. average. We know like, he I don't need so, Victor yeah. Robles to be thirty thirty. I need Victor Robles to be like eighteen thirty with a 280 batting average at the top of the lineup scoring runs. Like, that's what I want from that guy. You know, that's what the ceiling is. And the floor is probably fine, you know? All right. So to wrap up the TGFBI talk, I want you to finish the statement for me. The draft will have gone wrong if blank, Matt. If I have, if I don't have a... Man, that's a tough question because you're not going to know it went wrong until a couple months from now. But, like, if I have, in a perfect world, in my first eight picks, I'll have two starters, a closer, and five bats. I think that's the way I'm trying to get it done. And have my aggregate tools where I've got numbers I want to try to make speed and Try to hit your speed up early and take some late flyers, chip or chip on it. But power you can find later, so I don't want to go too hard on the power only bats. I mean, you guys can tell me if you disagree with anything I'm saying, but I I, I want three pitchers and and five hitters in the first eight picks. If I don't have that, then maybe something's gone wrong, and I'll start reaching and panicking and fucking up everything like I always do. <laughs> All right, that's your <laughs> answer, tilt. Ralph. Not on tilt. <laughs> the, the, Ralph, the draft will have gone wrong if blank. Easy. If I draft Gary Sanchez. <laughs> why is that? That was your boy for so long, man. That's why. I, 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 I don't want anything to do with him any longer, man. I'm off Gary. I'm so off Gary Sanchez. I was going to say the same thing about Judge and Stanton, but I don't know. I, I sneaky might end up thinking Judge or Stanton. So I don't want to put myself into a position where. You know, I'm cooking myself. But Sanchez is a, is a total avoid. But I, it's happened before, man. It happened this offseason in my, my first TDBC that I drafted. He was just sitting there so late that it just seemed like it was such an insane TDP that I was like, I think it was like, I'll pull up on him, but it was outrageous. I'm stuck. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take Sanchez. And he's I going inside. He's going around 195. So, I mean, I, I get it. You know, you're like, oh, man, is this the year? He's, he's going to hit 30 home runs for me. All right, let's do it. But, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's I have, 40. I have right? in the 30-team dynasty league. There's no way in hell I can get rid of him. Yeah, I have been a 16-teamer, and uh, I, I'm not going to cut him, but I'm not, I would be lying if I said I didn't consider it for a second. 30-team uh, league, I, the, the replacement is like Jeff yeah. Mathis on waivers. Like, I, what are you yeah. supposed to do? Uh, okay, so for me, the draft will have gone wrong if I have to spend two hundred fab dollars in the first two fab runs. That means I made some mistakes, I made some misjudgments, some miscalculations on maybe a closer or something. Of course, I'm not gonna blame myself if someone gets injured. That's how I'm always, I'm always hesitant about drafting when we do right before kind of when spring training kicks off. Crossing our fingers, no major injuries for any 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 players out there. But if I'm already spending a ton of fab, because fab does get spent early and often, especially in bigger, uh, bigger numbers early in, in April and May, uh, and that's that's what I will consider my biggest weakness in TGFBI is my fab management. I'm still learning how to kind of pace myself, where to kind of gauge what I need to spend, and maybe being a little bit better about anticipating things, anticipating handcuffs, anticipating good schedules, anticipating who's going to cores, so things like that. So if I'm spending a lot of fab money early on, then it will have been a bad draft because I made some miscalculations. All right. We're going to come back, take a quick break, and we will wrap it up with some Dynasty Baseball Championship talk. Don't leave. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. Judy. <laughs> 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, welcome back. We have just wrapped up our TGFBI talk. Kicks off today. Three of us, many more Prospects Live members gunning to make us sure we're the not top site, at least the top aggregate site. And, of course, each of us, of course, gunning for the individual title, the overall. But now we're switching gears to the Dynasty setting from Redraft to Dynasty. It's a Dynasty Baseball Invitational. It's a 30-team league that's kicking off. And if I pull up just some of the names that are that are in this league, it's pretty wild, guys. We got a really good crew uh, I mean, we, you know, uh, we got a lot of the BP guys, Jesse Roach, Mark Berry. Uh, we got uh, James Anderson, Derek Ann Riper, Welsh, Ryan Bloomfield, a couple of the couple of guys that are not well known, but are really good fantasy players. Steve, Steve Weimer, uh, Rob Sherwood. We got uh, we got Eric Cross. We got Chris Clegg, Chris Towers, Jesse Roach, Roto Nino, Matt Eddy from Baseball America, uh, Ray Butler, Shelley. I mean, it's, it just goes on and on and on. Uh, so it's going to be maybe the toughest draft I've ever been a part of, if I'm being honest. So I kind of want to keep it generic and open here to some of these questions. How do you approach – I'll start with you, Matt. How do you approach a draft like this? So someone who maybe who may not be familiar with TDBC, uh, if you're not, please go to prospectslive.com slash TDBC to see what it's all about. You can sign up. This, this isn't just a one-time thing for industry people. We've been doing this since last season. We got 20-team leagues and 30-team 30 30 team leagues all kicking off. So, Matt, how do you approach a draft like this? To kind of what, what is your path to success? I think this is it's got a unique wrinkle to it because you know it ends in five years, right, after five years. And I think a lot of other dynasty leagues don't have that. And I think a lot of people get – too caught up in maybe the in the five year thing, kind of just worry about the first three years. I think is the solid plan, and then yeah, that's the way I'm looking at it. And, and you know, as far as prospects go, I'm going to stay away from like the the prep picks in the 2020 draft. Uh, they're not going to help you too much if you lean college when you're looking first year player draft kind of stuff. Um, the first couple rounds are going to be, you know, take the best player available that fits your plan and your, your window. The most interesting player is always to see who takes Nelson Cruz and where, because that's kind of like the, that's the, that, that person's pot committed to the, to 2021 at this point, right? If you take Nelson Cruz. So like it's going to kind of severe where your draft goes, but, and you got to remember best balls favors pitching as well in the scoring. So they're also the riskiest in, of investments. So you kind of got to diversify and I kind of, don't worry about saves, kind of just get the best relievers. And it's, it's its own animal for sure, man. And if I could go back and do last year's drafts over again, man, I'd be much different results. I think on that. Uh, Nelson Cruz, we have based on the ADP for 2021 drafts, uh, 246. So in a 30 team league, that's maybe here's a quick, man, like round eight, roughly around there. It's a tough player. Uh, man. It's, it's yeah, it, it's it's and he, I know he want he probably wants to play. Well, he signed a two year deal or was it a one year deal? If I'm not mistaken, I think it was a one year deal with an option. Okay, yeah. So man, it, it might just be one year. It's gonna be a great year though. Uh, for me, my path to success is lean a little. I mean, not, nothing surprising. Lean a little heavier on the bats, but I don't think you can ignore the pitching. And so for me, I I I tend to as always kind of gun for it, gun for a title early on. I'm not gonna go overboard and just draft a bunch of thirty year olds, but when it comes to the pitching, I'm okay making my bones on make, creating a staff that's a little bit older. So, like, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of browsing, like, a Kyle Hendricks. I'm okay drafting a, you know, a Carlos Carrasco. I'm okay drafting, you know, making him maybe my first or second uh, pitcher. A Marcus Stroman, a, a Kevin Gosman. Those are guys that I think are going to have a, a nice little discount. And I'll focus on my bats being the young ones. Pay attention to pitching. 40-man rosters. Pay attention to contract lengths; those matter a lot in these things. Ralph, uh, do you play for all the years in a TDBC league, all five years, or do you tell yourself, "Okay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna plan to go a little younger and maybe go from 2022 to 2024, make that my window," or is I'm gonna kind of you know? Do you? Uh, I guess point being, go for all five, or do you think it's foolish to do that and focus in on maybe two or three years? Yeah, no, I, I think um, 
I think you just got to build the best possible team. You know, um, I think you got to like you got to think about the first two or three years because that's really all that you're you're promised. And you'd be surprised, you know, how many vets outside of like, you know, I guess Nelson Cruz, <laughs> maybe not. They'll be around for the next five years. I guess who knows? Nelson Cruz, right. The, the jury's still out. But um, yeah, I think you, you, you just got to build the strongest team to compete. And a lot of that is going to come down to drafting like MLB depth. I think you have to approach it with a little bit more value um, on arms. I think there's some scarcity there as well. Maybe that gets pushed back a little bit, but but who knows? I don't think you can necessarily depend on that. Um, but I think you just need to build the best possible team. And I think I'm in a little bit more of a best player available type of mentality within these leagues um, where I'm not so much worried about, because it's a 30-team league, I'm not so much worried about um, filling all you know actual positions because there are no technical positions on offense. And even between hitter and, and, and pitcher, I really think – you want a good base of hitting, but I think you need to have like a lot of pitching depth. Like the, the game with pitching is to have as many starters and like high leverage relievers going as many days as possible. It's, it's obviously an innings play there, but um, I think it's also sort of like a roles play. So, you know, I, I could also see like going entirely pitching heavy early. I probably won't. Um, but you know, I, th- I think you just sort of got to, you, you got to just build to compete, you know? Um, and I think we haven't seen a full two years play out, let alone five. So we yeah. really don't know from a game theory standpoint, how everything is going to play out. And some of the things that, you know, they, we don't even know what the market inefficiencies are yet. Right. And that's really what we need to exploit, identify that and then exploit it. I don't know if we really know that. I think there's a lot of guessing across the board. Um, I will say one thing is I think if you know with an open universe player pool, if you know the high end college hitters that maybe aren't super famous, you might be able to steal a few of those guys uh, toward the end. And, you know, even if they're 22 guys or 23, they still have a pretty good chance of probably getting up, you know, within a year or two and maybe providing some value. And they're guys that you can get, you know, in the final 15 rounds of the draft or something like that. Um, but I think you really need to build that like base of hitting and then just really like go in crazy on pitching and then just find whatever <laughs> MLB role guys you could find as far as a, a hitting basis. Cause even when they have a great game, it's a few points, right? Uh, I think you need that pitching depth. I think that's the biggest uh, component of success here is you need to have a lot of MLB pitching depth. You need innings. That's, that's one of the, it's one of the toughest things because it's just, and especially in a 30 team league, it's so painful to draft a pitcher when there's going to be obviously a lot of bats around, you know, laying around. So, yeah, it's one of the things I know that I've kind of maybe focused on or that I plan to focus on kind of switching, switching gears here as to kind of what lessons I learned from 2020. So 2020 is again, the first year we ran these for me. It was not under, not realizing going off your point here, Ralph, how much major league, Plate appearances or innings you needed. I think I maybe drafted 15 or so batters that were in the majors and then a bunch of maybe AAA, AA guys that I felt could get the jump. We know the COVID-shortened season kind of affected it, but I ended up maybe with like 10 or 11 guys racking up points each week when really it's a best ball format and only 10 guys get selected. So I I really struggled. I really screwed up the pooch there. So with, with my – the change in philosophy for me is – Maybe don't go crazy for the prospects. Don't go crazy for that AAA kind of player who might get some playing time just because he's near to the majors. Get that get that kind of boring veteran. I remember, and it still it still it still rings true to me. Um, I was trying to find a tweet, but Smartup, he was like, "Hey guys, what do you think Jason Kipnis from 2017 to 2019? What would he have been worth in a TDBC format as like the overall player who gathered X amount of points?" So. This was a range where uh, he hit like 236 with like a 305 OBP, uh, about you know 15, 12, 18, 17 home runs, six, seven steals. He was, I think, like in the 150s overall as a player. And I'm like, how does how do stats that bad rank where they did? So it kind of just opened my eyes a little bit. Go for the go for the role players who 
are going to get 400 player appearances a year. Um, so that's kind of what I le- what I learned. Matt, to start wrapping this up, what lessons did you learn from 2020 that you plan to apply and fix for 2021? Uh, it's similar, man. Pay more attention. I kind of mentioned already. Pay attention to the 40-man rosters. Those are the guys coming up right away. Um, don't try to spec on prospects if you're too much because you'll get burned. But, I mean, take the boring guy. This is the boring guy league. Take the boring guy. All right. I, I'm with it. Roth, lessons that you learned in 2020 that you are not going to apply to 2021? I don't know if I learned any lessons because I had a really good team and a really bad team. <laughs> and I don't know if I approached them any differently. Um, I think it's – my uh, dude, I don't know. Honestly, with this format, man, it is complete chaos. I am going to draft a bunch of players that I want to own in a team, and I'm just going to see what the hell happens. That's honestly what I'm going to do. I'm going to be like a GM. I'm going to get my prospects, my pitchers, my hitters. I'm going to see what happens. The only thing I'm focusing on is just having pitching depth this time. Cool. All right. We are excited to kick off. Well, we, I guess technically we already, we will already have kicked off both these shots, both the TG FBI shots to Justin Mason for putting that on each year. And of course, TDBC shots to Smata for engineering. This going to be two great drafts as we kind of gear up into, into March. Now, Good luck to everyone thus far in your drafts. We are going to come back with the top 500 followers list. I know you guys are always craving that dynasty content. We haven't forgotten about it, but couldn't pass up the chance to get excited, do a little redraft talk here, prospect slide. We we know we know what we're doing sometimes in these redraft leagues. So we'll catch you next week. Real excited for these drafts. Uh, Yeah, this is going to be real fun, a lot of fun. We're going to be tweeting out content about it. It's going to give some good insight to listeners out there, especially the TDBC side for dynasty names that they might not, you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's going to be good. All right. Good luck to everyone out there. We'll see you next week. Have a great one.